Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. I'm still listening to last week's message because it's still ministering to me. Even though I, I delivered it, it was God's word. And I'm still listening to it. And even though it's my voice, I'm hearing necessary things in it to change my life, to, to encourage me to walk uh, in faith and not by fear. And I just want to tell you guys something. You guys know the word says that faith cometh by hearing and by hearing the word of God. I, I want to encourage you guys. The word of God is great no matter where you get it from, okay, as long as it's the word of God. No problem. Listen to other preachers. I do. But I want to encourage you, go to the podcast, listen to the messages, not just from me, but from our other pastors and elders, those that are teaching. Why? Because it helps you catch the heartbeat of the building, okay? Every, there's each, each location, each part of the vineyard has a different type of heartbeat, a different vision that God gives them that will make it a collective vision for the church. But when you start to listen and gain the heartbeat of your church, you're better able to serve your church and the community that surrounds your church. So I encourage you, if you're trying to catch the heartbeat of the church, see what we're all about, just continue to listen to the messages. You know, sometimes you just need to turn the radio off and listen to some word. Amen? Praise God. So with that, as I was saying, I've been listening, and, and you know, last week we learned about fear. We learned that fear comes in many different forms. We learned that fear comes in the form of hopelessness. It comes in the form of uncertainty. It comes in the form of crisis, and it comes in the form of racism, fear. You know, the reason why most people are racist or prejudiced is because they don't know about something. And because we don't know about it, we're afraid of it. Fear isn't the type of fear where you're like, <laughs> but fear is just you don't know. So it comes in the form of racism. And right now, our news and our media is perpetuating fear. It's so funny. My father-in-law, after I preached last week, my father-in-law, we get home, he turns on the news, and he goes, John, John, he said, you was right. Ain't nothing but bad news on. Can they say anything good? Do you notice even with the weather, they're like, hey, guys, we're getting a break from the rain. It's going to be great. For the next five hours, it's going to be sunny, but it's going to be raining for the next week. We're going to get that. Then here comes the bad news. So it's like, let me build you up to break you down. They're perpetuating and distributing fear. See, and we get this whole thing that I watch the news so I can be informed. Is that what we do? Watch the news to be informed. Read the newspaper to be informed, right? Well, I'm here to tell you, the news and the media isn't informing you. It's trying to conform you. What's the difference? Informed is information. Conforming is trying to change you into something. And what they're trying to change you into is something that's afraid. Because we learned last week that if I can get you to fear something, then I can get you to buy something. We talked about free-range chicken. Y'all laughing because everybody, that's the big thing now. Eat healthy, eat clean. Right? Matter of fact, I, I, watch this. So I can take a chicken and just let it run around the field, eat whatever it, it can eat. Get it back in, wring its neck, pluck the feathers off, cut the breast down, be about as big as my thumb, and I can sell it for three times as much as a chicken that I got to keep locked up, that I got to shoot with steroids and antibiotics and feed it whatever I make it. So it costs me more to keep up with a chicken that I inject with all kinds of stuff 
than it does for me to have a free-range chicken, but yet I'm charging you three times more for the free-range chicken. You know why? Because I made you afraid of eating the other stuff. So you're willing to pay more because I got you fearful of something. Remember years ago when they talked about, <laughs> this is so funny, they talked about eggs and the cholesterol level of eggs? You remember, some of y'all ain't probably ain't old enough to remember. Some of you guys will, about 10 of us in here, remember that. They were like, man, you can't eat more than three eggs a week because they got cholesterol crazy. Have a heart attack. If you eat five eggs, you're going to have a heart attack and fall down and die in a week. But do you know who, you know who came out with that study? The cereal industry. Because people naturally were eating eggs for breakfast, eggs and bacon, eggs and bacon. The cereal industry came out with this false report to encourage you, to get you fearful of eggs, to cause you to start eating cereal. And it worked. If you remember, about 10, 15 years ago, they had a commercial of an egg sitting in the jail cell. And it said, the egg is now out. It's been set free. A lot of you didn't understand why. It's because the truth is out now. Eggs aren't that unhealthy for you. Actually, they're more healthy for you than the cereal. But because I got you afraid of eating eggs, I now got you eating stuff that I want to sell to you that in the end, guess what? It's going to make you even worse off than the eggs did. Fear. <laughs> See, what the news is trying to do and what fear tries to do, fear will turn us into this image, conform us into this image of what I want to call agents of fear. God didn't call us to be agents of fear. And when we're so fearful, when we consume and we let all this fear into us, then we become spiritual terrorists. Because you don't keep what you're afraid to by yourself. You want to let everybody know. Better not eat that chicken. Now you know eating three eggs a week. Too much. You tell people. And you guys know that's what terrorism is. It's the spreading of fear. That's all it does. Terrorists. We talk about terrorists, and we're like, oh, they're going to blow up stuff. They'll blow up someplace to know that I may kill 10 people, but I'm going to make 10 million people afraid. And if I can keep 10 million people afraid, fear will paralyze you. It'll keep you from moving forward. <laughs> we also, last week, we looked at our past as a country and that every disaster and tragedy that ever happened here in the United States, everyone that happened, Hurricane Katrina, 9-11, whatever tornadoes happened, whatever happened, the world came running to the church. And they came running to the church because they were looking for comfort and they were looking for hope. I'm trying to tell you, I, I was in D.C. during 9-11, and the churches were packed after 9-11. That Sunday, right after 9-11, I'm seeing people in church I, I, I would never think I'd see in church. People asking me, you know, people that mock God now want to go to church because they were so gripped with fear. They knew that my place of comfort, I'm seeing you guys look fine. You, you Christians seem like you got it all together. So I'm going to go to church because I need God. To, I want to feel like you're feeling. So I want some kind of comfort. So they started going to church. I want some kind of hope. So they started going to church. But lately... The church, not just the building, the church, us as a people, have given itself over to fear, and now we're acting just like the world. Where does the world have to run to now? 
before, right? I'm, I'm, let's just be honest. With our political situation, with all the terrorism that's going on, people want to come to the, they want to come to church to find comfort and, and, and peace. But guess what? The church don't have it anymore. We're acting just like the world is. How do I know? Just look on social media. What are we going to do now? Oh, my gosh. What if this happens? What if that happens? What about this? What about my cousin? What about my friend? What about my work? What about my job? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Do you realize that most of the time, 99% of what ifs never happen? But if you live in the if, that's living in fear. Living in the if is really living in the F. Fear. False evidence appearing real. What if, what if, what if, I, what if I, I go out here and this may happen? You're living in fear. Spiritual terrorism. And the church has let fear into it so much. Watch this. This is what the word says in Mark chapter 4, verse 19. It says, the cares of this world, stuff you care about, and the deceitfulness of riches, what really means that which you hold valuable in your life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things shall enter in and choke the word out of us, becoming unfruitful. Do you realize that one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace? So the world's looking for peace, but we don't have peace because we let fear in. We let the cares of this world and things that we hold dear to us enter in and it chokes the word out of us. And if you don't know, the word is Jesus. And it chokes the Jesus out of us, becoming unfruitful. And now we're unfruitful, so people are coming. It's like, why would you go to a grocery store to get food when there ain't no food there? You go to a produce market to get produce. If I want to buy apples and fruit, I go to a produce market, right? But why would I go there if there's no fruit? Why would the world come to church when we don't have any fruit to give them? You guys are just as afraid as I am. But yet you're telling me, one, one minute you're going, man, look what's happening, blah, 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 and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And somebody's like, yeah, man, but Jesus can help you. Now you're contradicting yourself. See, we allowed so much fear into our church that it's choked the word out of us, it's choked Jesus out of us, and we've become unfruitful. Do you realize that the church should be a place of peace, the church should be a place of hope, and the church should be a place of restoration? Amen? With all that's going on and all the uncertainty that comes that's going on right now, we have to remember who we are and whom we belong to. I'm a child of God. Saints of God, I'm going to tell you something right now. If somebody does something to my daughter, you better believe I'm not going to be the only one showing up. If somebody does something to one of y'all's daughters at school, wherever it's at, you better believe not only daddy is showing up, but I'm telling you, all the men in the church are showing up. I'm going to call all the women to show up and have their hairs pulled back in a ponytail face greased down, we going, we going in. It's on. You're not going to mess with one of mine, and not only am I going to show up, I'm bringing my family with me. You feel me? But watch this. How much more would God defend his own children? God just don't show up. He brings a heavenly host with him. All through the Bible, even when the children of Israel being disobedient, God would show up on their behalf. 
Never have I seen the righteous forsaken. No, there's seed begging bread. God will show up. But we have forgot that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that delivered the children of Israel from out of Egypt is the same God that will deliver his people today. Woo! See, as Christians, we're, we're not supposed to live by, by fear. We're supposed to live by faith. We've been called to be agents of faith. Do I got any agents of faith in the house today? Do I got somebody that wants to speak faith? Somebody wants to call those things that are not as though they were? My God. Dude, just think about the word of God. See, we, we, we get so stuck on what's going on out here and forget about what's going on in our word. Yeah. Grab my Bible. I need it. Thank you. I carry a big Bible because I'm spiritual. I'm going to let you all know that. Big letters. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And, and funny thing about that is I'll say stuff like that, and because our, our listening selective, people didn't know I was playing. So next week, there'll be people walking in here with, like, huge Bibles, just like <laughs> pulling little wagons, little radio flyers in with Bibles, like spiritual pastor. Found this one in a garage sale. <laughs> Listen, you guys, you know something just popped up in my, my mind. Let me take a real quick break, if you guys don't mind. Just a real quick break. I want to say hello to some of our family that's abroad right now. Amen. Maradi, hey, hon. Hi, we know you're in Europe. God bless you and your husband. We miss you guys. Praise the Lord. Um, everybody, North Carolina, Mother Martha, and everybody else that's seen us, Patrice, all you guys, we love you. Praise God. Oh, and Mike Shorter down in L.A. We, we went and saw Mike, and we were leaving. Mike was, like, trying not to cry. He was, big as Mike is, big old buff dude. He's like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> anyway, let me get back to preaching. <laughs> Listen, even though we're agents of faith, you guys, do you realize that people have this propensity to resist things we don't like or agree with? I, I heard about three people like, mm, that proves what I just said. Because you didn't like what I just said. Hmm. Hmm. Watch this. You know, church gets out at 3 o'clock today. <laughs> Resistance happened. <laughs> you can get out at 3 o'clock, Pastor. I don't see no chains on these chairs. <laughs> you feel me? It, it happens, right? But resist. 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 You know, my wife, when she saw this and I put this up on, on social media, she goes, John, that looks really uh, pretty intimidating. And I said, well, it's supposed to. The reason why it is, because you realize that a closed fist represents resistance. A closed fist represents I'm not open to anything. I'm resisting it. A closed fist can't receive anything, but it can give a whole lot. You hear me? A closed fist will knock you out. A closed fist is a fist that fights. A closed fist 
equals resistance. And I just want to tell you that it's not, the, the, the closed fist isn't reserved just for blacks. The closed fist is reserved right now for everybody that's resisting the things that are going on right now. Now, as you guys know, maybe you don't know because you guys, you guys don't give in to fear. But there's a lot of things that are happening right now in our country. And you're hearing this word resist everywhere. Resist. I was watching the Grammys. They got quiet. Though y'all don't watch Grammys, y'all too spiritual. People's favorite rappers yelling resist. Honestly, I don't even think they know what they're talking about. But that's just how America is nowadays. Just because somebody else is doing it, I'm going to do it. It's the end thing. Whatever they're doing, I'm going to do. Whatever they're do, all the crowd's saying, I'm going to say. We have no clue what we're talking about. And we get ourselves into trouble. So they're yelling resist, 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 resist. We hear it so much in the news. And I have to say this. There's things that's happening in the country right now that we don't like. And naturally, guess what we're doing? Resisting it. But I have to remind you just real briefly of God's word. Is that okay? I'm going to give you guys an argument. Everybody in here, I'm going to help you out with your argument. But you're not going to be arguing with me. You're going to argue with God. You guys ready for this? So if you want to hate anybody, hate Jesus. Because this is what his word says. Not me. It's not my opinion. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. It says this. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Does that need a huge interpretation? Do we need to pray and pour oil on you for you to understand that? Read Romans chapter 13, and it'll begin to explain to you that every authority that's in its place, God has placed there. Now, wh whether we understand it or not, and I'm just here to tell you, look, we get so high-minded that we sit down as Christians and go, well, that can't be God. The Bible's specific. It says your ways are not like God's ways. As far as the east is from the west, as far as the heavens are from the earth, your ways are not like God's. So God has a way that you don't know right. Do you realize the Bible says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end, therefore, is death. Just because you think it might be right or wrong doesn't make it right or wrong. But God knows what he's doing. Trust me. And God will place there and place people in authority, and he says he does it for your benefit. God does it. We just got to learn to trust God. God, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing this whole time. So as we begin to trust God and, and see this, then we won't resist the authorities that he's placed. Because you resist the authorities, it says you're not going to be very happy because you're going to get in trouble. I'm talking to Christians. You guys saved in here? <laughs> you may not like it, but hold on, let me see. Okay, there we go. See, everyone, everybody's looking to exist, but here's a statement that I'm going to give you that's life-changing. If you want to, you can tweet it. You can even write it that you made it up. It's okay. I don't mind. One cannot merely resist until he truly submits. Funny, because we're so busy looking to, to resist something, not realizing that we're submitting to something before we can resist something. You have to submit to something in order to resist another. For instance, if you submit to laziness, you can easily resist working out. 
Come on, all the buff heads in here. I should have heard amen. Y'all should have been like, amen. Amen. See, people, people submit to laziness, and that's why you find it so hard to get up in the morning and work out. Like, I tell people, watch this. I tell people, me and my wife, like, man, you got to come to the gym with us. She's like, yeah, man, I like to go to the gym. We get up at 4.30, we're at the gym at 5. Oh, uh-uh. No. I can't get up that early. You can get up that early. You just submitted yourself to sleeping and laying in the bed longer. Therefore, you can't get up and work out because you've already submitted to one thing. Therefore, guess what? You can't resist. Do you realize people that have submitted their life to working out find it harder to lay in bed? <laughs> Trust me. If you, if one of the, I'm telling you right now, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm the fittest thing in here, but I'll tell you what, if I take a day off from working out, I feel terrible. And it's hard not to, because it got so bad, I had to build a gym at my house. So if I miss a day, it's like one in the morning. I'm out there just, I got to get something in. Treadmill, everything. I was like, Let me at least walk for 20 minutes so I've done something, because I've submitted myself. Some of y'all in here, you know why it's hard for you to resist being with that person you're with? Because you submitted your soul to them. You guys, you guys realize the Bible is specific about things. They, they talk about marriage. There's orders of things. And, you know, you get married, and then after marriage comes everything else, right? But instead, we, we want to put the cart before the horse. And because we put the cart before the horse, we have soul ties. Why do you think it was so hard to, to, to not be with that person? It would have been easy for you to break up with them if you never gave your life over to them. And, I, and I'm saying that because we have mixed company in here. And I'm sure you guys are adults and you know what I'm talking about. Can I get amen? You gave yourself over to them in such a way that it made a bond between you. Why do you think it's so hard to leave them? Why do you think it's so hard to leave her? Because you did something that was only meant for married couples. Because a marriage is supposed to be a lifetime. So when, when, you, when you are able to do the extracurriculars after marriage, it helps you stay together. But if you do it before and then you realize, well, I really don't like you. I, I, just, I just want to share something with you. If a person isn't reciprocating, giving back to you what you're giving to them, not even close, and I'm talking about before you married, that is a sign. And that's not even a sign from God. It's, it's <laughs> that, that's a common sense sign. Exit stage left. You ain't for me. God bless you. Catch you on the rebound. But you know what happens? We get attracted and we think, and, and I, I see it on Facebook all the time because not all my friends are saved, and they ask questions. Would you on the first night do this? The first time you met somebody, would you do this? And that's the thing because when you do first night, okay, I want to make sure that, that you know, uh, everything's working or everything's cool, and you don't want to be with nobody for a long time if, if things ain't cool, so you got to test it out. This ain't buying a car, y'all. 
I'm just helping you out because a car eventually in five years, is good. you got to go get a new one. And we're treating marriages like cars. We're test driving. No, it's in it. I'm in it to win it. If we're going to, okay, yeah, you're good. You're, everything's good. Oh, okay, we don't have to have these soul ties. Because at the end, after six months, seven months of dating you, being with you, talking to you, finding out about you, meeting your family, doing all this, and I find out that you crazy and fell and bumped your head, it's going to be easy for me to walk away if I've never, ever gave my soul to you. I'm telling you, I'm a pastor. I counsel people. And then you think, okay, well, he was beating me before, so maybe if we get married, it'll change. Maybe, maybe you know, hey, look, look, girl, you know, we look things a little rough right now, but if we have kids, you just have my baby, it'll make things better. You're just adding to the problem. Now you're married and you're in a mess. Now you made a covenant before God, and then when things don't work five or six years later, you come to me and you start talking about divorce. I'm going here. Why am I going here? Do you realize before the marriage, my counsel will be this. You guys need to separate, be adults, take care of the children. Now that you're married, I'm not going to counsel you for divorce. It's not going to do it. You made a covenant before God. For better or for worse, till death do us part. You need to work it out. Let me send you to counseling. You were too busy looking to fall in love, and you ended up falling out of it. Grow in love. You could grow to love somebody. When you start loving somebody and surrendering yourself spiritually, if you do what the Bible tells you, I promise you, I promise you, and I stand here as a man that knows it works. I have submitted myself. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor. I am the man, the king, the priest, and the prophet of my household, but I submitted myself to my wife. The Bible says, well, wives, submit yourself to your husbands, right? Well, but the Bible says, well, husbands, love your wife as Christ so loved the church. So if I'm going to love my wife the way Christ loved the church, you know what the Bible says about Christ? He says, I came to serve, not to be served. So if I'm going to love my wife, I'm here to serve her. I'm here to surrender myself in service. And she surrenders and submits herself to me in authority. It's a ring. But I had to submit myself to her before we got married. That's good, honey. That's exactly what Christ did for the church. He came and served us, surrendered, and gave his life as a ransom for many so that we could give our lives back to him so that we could be married to him. Thank you, Jesus, for that. That was for somebody. Let me get back on my message. See, when you submit yourself to something, you become a slave to it. <laughs> Bible tells you, don't submit your members unto sin, which leads to death. But submit your members to Christ, which leads to righteousness. So, let me, let, me, let me share this with you. James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Do you realize something? There's a reason why the order was submit first, resist second. But the problem we have as Christians, we're too busy trying to resist things. Like, I'm trying to resist sin, but I definitely don't want to submit to God. <laughs> like, Come on, pastor. Why you guys hurt me today? Because God wants you free. 
God, ain't, God, God is not a God of a big ego that says, look at all these people that follow me and submit to me. No. He's saying, listen, if you submit to me, I'll keep you safe. If you submit to me, I'll give you life and life more abundantly. If you submit to me, then you can resist the devil. You can resist sin. You can resist the strongholds. You can resist the things that are holding you back. If you submit to me first. But we're too busy trying to resist everything else and never submit to God. And we get weary. We get tired. Tired of it. God says the problem is the reason why you can't resist this issue is because you haven't submitted. You guys got to be careful. Be really careful. You can unknowingly submit to your enemy and find yourself resisting God. We've seen it so many times. Uh, my wife and I, just, just in the eight years of our, of our ministry, we've seen people that were literally, because of their situation and their circumstance, our families are involved and the people in their family are involved in certain sin, the Bible called sin, not my opinion, but then they go, well, I don't, I, I, I submit myself to my family because I love them, and I want them to be happy, and I want these things, and, and they, they say those things, but now they're resisting what God says. They're not resisting me. They're resisting God's word, and here's the problem. Do you realize that we can get to a point that we have issues where we're resisting God, and we won't admit that we're resisting God, and then we get full of pride? Now, not only have you submitted to the sin, not only are you resisting God's word, but because you're full of pride, guess what? Now God's resisting you. First Peter 5 and 5, and, and I'll just read the last part. It says, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. There's another translation that says this, God fights the proud. Now, you all know you can't fight God. I don't care how bad you are. You cannot fight God. And it's a, it, you're in a rough situation when God's fighting against you. You are in a rough, a, a bad area. Have you seen what God to the, did to the Egyptians? You read it. You saw it on TV. <laughs> you seen what he did? Called down fire and burnt up a whole bunch of people? My God. Fire and brimstone when you're fighting against God. <laughs> In order to resist the devil and temptation of sin, you're going to need grace. Grace. I need grace in my life. Grace only comes by submitting to Jesus first. James chapter 4 and 6 says this, but he gives grace and more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Listen, you got to admit you have problems, and when you, that's, that's humbling yourself. God, I got this issue. I got this stronghold. I got this. I got that. And listen, God doesn't want you just to admit it to him. He wants you to admit it to an accountability partner. A lot of y'all don't like that. Oh, you know, I like to keep this between me and God. <laughs> this is me and God. You know, We got this understanding. No, God puts people in your life. That's why the Bible says confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. The Bible says it. Why? Because I don't hold you accountable. 
You said, man, I'm submitting myself to working out every day at 4.30 in the morning. Okay, you told me. You didn't just tell God, right? So you called and told me. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to call you in the morning. You up? Get up. Text, text, text five times and call. If you don't text me back, you're getting a phone call. And don't let your house be on the way to the gym. I'm going to keep you accountable. See, I'm naming off some easy stuff. But God puts people in our lives to show his love for us. It's one thing to know that God loves you. Man, God really loves me. But you know, it's another thing that God will use his people to display his love to you. I don't know about you. There's been times I've been down in the dumps, down in the dumps. And all of a sudden, I'll get a text on my phone from one of the saints. Hey, pastor, I'm just praying for you and that God will do this. And it's exactly what is dealing with me at that moment. And I said, God, you love me. To have this person reach out to me and just tell me that they're praying for me. That encourages me. God shows his love to his people through his people. That's why we're called the body of Christ. Praise God. But you guys, it's going to take us to humble ourselves before we receive any grace. And I want to let you know, resisting isn't wrong. Resisting isn't wrong. It's what you're resisting that can make the difference. God has called us to resist. He's literally called us to resist. He's called us to resist lawlessness. He's called us to resist temptation. He's called us to resist fornication and resist the devil. But we can't resist to any of these things if we don't submit to God first. Saints, it's not about resisting. It's about you submitting. It's about submitting to the way. It's about submitting to the truth. It's about submitting to the life. It's about submitting to righteousness and submitting ourselves to Jesus Christ. That way we can receive the unmerited favor of God called grace that we may endure. Somebody say endure. Endure Endure doesn't always mean God's going to deliver you out of it. But it's grace that keeps me in it and keeps me alive during it. Saints of God, I'm here to tell you something. I have a heart condition, whether you know it or not. And I prayed, and I'm like, God, can you get rid of this thing? But God hasn't. The Bible says that, that Paul said, listen, God sent a messenger of Satan. There's some things in your life that the devil ain't got nothing to do with. God has ordained it. Why? So you don't think more highly of yourself than you are what Paul said. So here I am, I got this heart condition, and I'm like, God, why? But then I started thinking, you know, I looked to the Word of God, and and I believe it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. God said, listen, I sent a messenger of Satan to come buffet your flesh, to put a thorn in your flesh. Why? So that the grace of God may rest upon you. Saints of God, there's some times that you need the grace of God in your life to rest upon you. That That way it will show the power of God in your life, and the glory of God will shine through you. Any glory you see of me, John Butcher up here, is not of myself. It is that of the Holy Spirit that's in me. It is that of the grace of God that is upon my life. Why is the grace of God upon my life? Because I know I couldn't be up here by myself. I know I got issues. And I go to the Lord and I go to my accountability partners. And because I do that, God pours grace out upon my life. It's grace, the unmerited favor of God. We have to resist the powers that hinder our relationships with Christ. We have to resist any 
power or anything that will hinder our relationship with Christ. See, people get grace mixed up with mercy. And I'm going to close this. People get grace mixed up with mercy. Listen, saints, mercy and grace are different, even though mercy is a product of grace. Watch this. Mercy is the dam that holds back judgment. See, you've done stuff and you deserve some bad things that happen to you. You know some of the things you've done. But God put up mercy, and it kept judgment from hitting you. I just, I just want to let you know, with all the rain that's going on in California right now, you see what too much water does to a dam. Don't frustrate the grace of God. Because your spillway <laughs> may have a defect in it. And then when that, when that bridge breaks, when that dam breaks, the flood comes. And it's a flood of judgment that you don't even want to be around. But because of God's grace, you're able to have mercy in your life. But grace, grace is the supernatural power that enables you to transition from death to life. Grace will allow you to bear situations that will destroy others. It's grace on your life that will enable you to stand when the contrary winds are blowing against you. It's only grace that kept a lot of us from losing our mind. Grace. Grace. It is by grace that you are saved, not of yourselves. It's not by your works, lest any man should boast. Saints of God, I want you to notice something in here. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Not were saved, but are saved. That word were and was is past tense. The word are means currently. It means it's still happening now. Grace and your salvation wasn't for a point of time. God didn't put grace on you. Go, here goes grace. You're saved. You're cool. But it says it's by grace that you are saved. It's by grace that you're being saved every day. It's grace that keeps you. It's grace that will hold you. It's grace in your life that sustains you. It is the grace of God. You are saved. It's not like I was in the water and you pulled me out of the water. It's I'm in this world, a sinful world, and because I got grace on my life. Grace is like a, 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 a dinghy that's keeping me afloat in this water, this water, this world called sin. Until the day that God comes back with the ship, the ark, to bring me into the ark, to save my life, to bring me out of this world of sin, that I may go home and be with him, a consuming fire. And if I'm being saved every day, that's why the Bible, you know the Bible says that God renews our mercies every morning. You know why? Because we do something every day to deserve death. The wages of sin and death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Saints, listen, every morning you open your eyes, God renews mercy. That's like right now, over there, I don't know, is it Oroville, the dam that's up? 
Can you imagine every day God taking the water out and letting the water build up for a day? Then the next day takes the water out and then lets the water build up for a day. Then he takes the water out and lets the water build up for a day. See, the way we see the dam is it's an accumulation of water over weeks that's accumulated that will break the dam. But God says, I renew that for you every morning. Last night, you went to bed bankrupt on mercy. Your dam was about to break. (laughs) God said, no, I'm going to renew this. I'm going to renew it with mercy, but I'm only doing it because of grace. Because you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you. But I can't renew your mercy. I can't, I can't have this grace on you unless you humble yourself, unless you admit. Because I know personally, I need more grace in my life to continue to be saved from sin and death. And how can I get more grace in my life? Submit. You guys realize this is why the Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to the church of Rome. And he begged them. He begged them. It was so important. He started out this letter begging. You guys need to submit. It comes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beg you. Listen, please. I beg you by the mercy of God. I am begging you upon the dam that holds back judgment. I'm begging that you listen to me. Present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.